Amen to that. Uh, We are only here Sunday morning by Sunday morning because God is indeed faithful and good. I think it's hard for us to imagine sitting here in 2016 how much excitement and anticipation and optimism and promise surrounded the city of Jerusalem 2,000 years ago when Jesus rode into town. Uh, if you haven't noticed, we're, we're just starting a little presidential election cycle around here. And uh, it seems like our American mood is more anxious and cynical and pessimistic. Am I the only one? But when Jesus came into town, it was whole, pure, unadulterated promise. It wasn't just the present moment. Because everyone in Jerusalem was also the heir of hundreds of years of prophecies and promises of a coming king, of a chosen one, of God's Messiah. Here's one of the prophecies that they would have known, Zechariah 9, verse 9. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. You can hardly blame the people of Jerusalem for concluding that this must be the guy. Right? As the cloaks went down, as the man on the donkey, they thought Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the king. And he indeed is the king. But he's not that kind of king. They thought it was going to be a victory lap. And it was nothing like a victory lap. My own image of Palm Sunday, quite frankly, has changed quite a bit this year. Uh, Part of it is just that I'm getting probably older and grumpier. And uh, part of it is that just under our roof, life's been a little crazy and complicated lately. But until recently, I have thought of Palm Sunday as a coronation kind of event, right? The red carpet goes down, the king or the queen walks down the red carpet, they're crowned and the people rejoice. It is a hail to the king kind of moment, right? Will you say these words with me? Hail to the king. One more time. Hail to the king. This is what was on the lips and the mind of everyone in Jerusalem. A coronation kind of moment. I've been trying to think, what would this day would have been like from Jesus' eyes and Jesus' sandals? He knew what the next week held. He had told his disciples that he would be killed. And I think for Jesus, rather than a red carpet and a coronation kind of affair, it would have been more like the moment in a medieval battle, if you've ever read or seen a movie from this period, where in the throes of battle, the forces are going at each other tooth and nail, and it becomes time to protect the king, a test of loyalty, and everyone shouts, to the king, right? And everyone circles around the king, raises uh, swords or spears or whatever, and then you fight to the bitter end. 
And I think for Jesus, this was not a hail to the king kind of moment. This was a to the king kind of moment because the battle was about to get to its deepest and darkness, darkest, and everyone's loyalty was about to be tested. Are you going to rally around the king or are you going to run away? Are you going to be there till the bitter end of the battle? Can you do it? Can you stay awake through the night? When we are young in the faith or young in years, I think we inevitably and naively expect that the Christian life will be one victory march after another. I thought this, I still think this on naive days. Much like this Palm Sunday crowd, but as we live more years, as we follow Jesus for months or years or decades, quarter centuries, half centuries or more, open-eyed experience and open-hearted living shows us that the Christian life is not simply one victorious battle after another. The Christian life is just one battle after another. And some are lost, and some are won in the great war in which God and his general, the Lord Jesus, will prevail in the end. But for little old us, some of these battles are lost, and by God's grace, some are won. Uh, there's a Roman Catholic friar named Raniero Cantalamesa. Isn't that a great name? Cantalamesa. His job is to be the preacher to the Pope and his attendants. That's a pretty tall job description, right? The guy who preaches to the Pope every day of the week? Uh, recently, in a message, he described the Christian life this way, that the Christian life always has three battles brimming at any moment. If this military language is too much for you, anytime I say battle, just think struggle, okay? But he describes these three struggles. The first struggle is around us with the forces of the world, okay? The world that's trying to influence us and put, pull us away from God. The second battle happens within us and is against our sinful nature and our, our flesh, and the third battle goes on above us and is against the devil. Not above us because the devil is holy, but because he's stronger and more powerful than us. Any moment in your life, whether you're aware of it or not, this struggle is going on with the world around us, inside of us, with the devil himself. The promise this morning is that God is providing for you and me in the heat of each and every one of these battles. God is providing for you and me. We just sang, All I have needed, thy hand has provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Sometimes, if we're experiencing a battle, we think something must be wrong. Because we have this false conception that blessings happen over here and they happen when we're close to God and with God and battles happen over here and if you're truly blessed the battles are not happening if you pay attention and walk with Jesus during Holy Week that notion will be utterly dispelled 
And in fact, I can say honestly, the greatest blessings that come from God's hand come as the result in the midst of, after the fiercest battles. I wish it was not that way. I wish I could promise you and say God will provide you a downhill ride, coasting with the wind for decades. That is not how it was for our Lord, and it is not how it will be for us. I would like to speak with you um, about four needs that I believe we all have. We have a million needs. I'm just going to name four. And I'm going to try to kick the tires on God's promise of providing for us and see how he comes through and does that. Need number one, we need a leader. Once again, we are going to elect a fellow citizen president later this year, right? As Americans, we know it's time. We need a new leader. Uh, as long as I've been living, it seems like the world is not growing simpler. It is growing more complicated. Through technology, through the way we communicate, through the way global events and news is known instantaneously this day, and not only known, but needs a decision and action about 12 minutes later. Oh, my goodness. The way the world has shrunk, the way our economies are linked as in never before, we need to elect a president who is noble and virtuous and righteous and circumspect and transparent and honest and good. And where are we going to find that person? Holy cow. <laughs> and I'm just talking about life as fellow citizens and political realities. We need that kind of leader, absolutely. We also need a leader for our souls. We need a leader for our spiritual lives altogether. We need a leader for our moral lives. And that leader needs to be infinitely more noble and virtuous and righteous and transparent and good. And if we can't even find somebody who fits the bill for president, where are we going to find somebody for those deeper and eternally significant needs? And the answer is riding on a donkey. That's where God has provided this kind of leader, riding on a donkey. And if you follow this man, this son of man, the son of God, through the next seven days, you will see him on Maundy Thursday demonstrate the full extent of what love and genuine leadership is like when this king that God provides gets down on his hands and knees and doesn't boss everybody around or tell everybody what the next policy is, but washes their feet and then serves them with his own body and blood. If you follow the leader God provides through this Holy Week, you will see a coronation on Good Friday in the dark, where this king ascends not a throne, but is suspended between heaven and earth and sheds his life blood for the people that he loves so dearly. If you follow God's leader through this week, the world goes silent for Saturday, holding breath that 
that maybe God will do something. And if you follow this leader all the way to the end, you can come back here in a week, and I promise the sun is going to come up. The darkness is going to be broken, not just in the world out there, but in the most significant ways. We need a leader, and God gives us the right kind of king. We also need forgiveness. Earlier this month, uh, I was innocently parked by a grocery store. Somebody left me a card that said this on it, forgive yourself for something today. It was a lovely little card, and my first reaction was, wow, somebody's like doling out forgiveness. This is fantastic. And then I kind of thought, you know, so many of us like beat, beat ourselves up all the time and like the issue of self-inflicted pain and guilt and like right on, let, like let something go. Then the more I thought about it, it started bothering me a little bit. <laughs> because in the deepest sense, we can never forgive ourselves or we can only forgive ourselves because someone else has forgiven us first is what I'm trying to say. When Jesus rode into town, it was the beginning of Passover week. And faithful Jews, since the Exodus, since God set them free from slavery in Egypt, have been reenacting this once a year. God sent the angel of death to pass through every household in Egypt. And God said, to demonstrate that you are my chosen ones, my forgiven ones, my beloved sons, here's what you are to do. You are to slay an innocent lamb drain its blood and then paint the doorposts and the doorframe of your house and when death comes through the land it will not visit your house because the angel of death will see that you are my forgiven ones this is gruesome right if you really think about doing this god did not ask them to shed their own blood god did not ask for special prayers god required the blood of an innocent one to atone for or wash away the sins of the guilty. And it is always going to be this way. In order for there to be forgiveness, it is not something we can achieve for ourselves because our blood is already corrupt and polluted. Other great Jewish holiday, the Day of Atonement, Leviticus chapter 23, it says this, do not work on that day. Great line, because we're tempted to work our own forgiveness. Don't work on the day of atonement. When atonement is made for you by the Lord. This is an un-American idea, people. We do everything for ourselves. We work hard, we go to school, you get a degree, you improve your skills on the job, you fight for stuff, you try hard, but in the issue that we need the most, forgiveness and a clean slate, we cannot do this by our own strength. We need to be provided with a sacrifice. You know where you find the sacrifice? Riding on a donkey. Eyes open. We need more than this. We need a full-blown rescue, you and I. 
not just a little rescue. We need a complete body and soul, comprehensive kind of rescue. And God provides a savior. This is one of those battles that I think is around us in the world all the time because we have this social pressure to present ourselves on as many occasions as possible as people who have our act together, right? This is part of my motivation for combing my hair, right? And shaving once in a while and dressing up, right? You need to look like you have your stuff together. You present yourself as... You know, someone who's competent at your job, who's well-read or well-informed. This pressure is on us all the time. We're supposed to be strong. We're supposed to have our act together. Uh, there is a rapper named Lecrae Moore. Don't often quote rappers in sermons, but... Uh, this guy actually won a great year ago. Strongest champion. And beautifully puts words on the need for a savior. He said this about himself I am not a Christian because I am strong and have it all together. And in the rap music industry, I mean, it's part of the deal to present yourself as, you know, strong and credible and, and tough and you better respect me? He says, I'm not a Christian because I'm strong and have it all together. I am a Christian because I'm weak and I admit I need a savior. Can you say that about yourself? Would you put that on your business card? Entrepreneur and weakling, I need a savior. The tagline on your email, <laughs> weak. In need of help. So at my house the last few weeks, uh, things have been a little unusual. Um, you know, like three weeks ago, I'm a pretty sunny side up person. I wake up in the morning, do some devos in the morning, attack the day, I got this, everything's going good. Right? Hopefully, like 90% of us are in that frame of mind. But all of a sudden at my house, like, everybody got sick at the same time. Within the course of a couple days, like, one of us had 103 temperature, several days running, and it was just, like, dead on the couch. A couple other of us got sick and are on massive amount of steroids at the same time. Uh, another one ended up on a multiple-week-long uh, course of antibiotics because of this crazy infection. And suddenly I'm waking up in the morning and I'm not thinking, I've got this. Suddenly I'm waking up in the morning and I'm thinking, oh my God, like what's going to happen today? I, I don't mention this to uh, earn, earn your pity. Uh, many of you are going through way more significant things, bereavements, illnesses, cancers. It's not the point. I just want to, to say and reflect that this life can be oh so fragile. And we can be so, we are, weak and dependent on God. We like to say around here, life is hard and faith is weak. 
And if you're not feeling it right now when you wake up in the morning, beautiful. But the veil between that and feeling devastated when you wake up is just a phone call or a doctor visit or a right turn away. So now I'm waking up and I'm just finding myself praying, oh God, I need you. How I need you every hour. I need you. You're my one defense, my righteousness. Oh God, how I need you. So if you want to join the weakling club, I'm all in. Okay? So earlier this week, I'm sitting at a doctor's office, and uh, there's this banner on the wall, not expecting to like receive a message from God directly in this doctor's office. It's not like a Christian place that I know of or anything. So I'm in this chair, feeling a little anxious, look up, and on the wall are these two sentences intermingled that say, the physician works, God heals. Who's carrying the load in those sentences? Well, everybody, but God's carrying the big work. God heals, the physician works. God designs the engineer engineers. You know, God sings, the musician plays. However you want to put this in your own life, God is the one who accomplishes everything good and rescues. It is in the tough times and in the midst of battles when our trust in God is really put to the test. Uh, Henry Ford, who is not by any means an exemplary Christian, uh, said this. When everything seems to be going against you, when the battle is its fiercest and its worst, remember that an airplane can only take off against the wind and not with it. I'm in such a weak frame of mind that like Henry Ford is making profound wisdom sense to me right now. (laughs) But do you catch his point? Like, wouldn't it seem easy if an airplane just took off downwind and could harness the force of the wind in achieving its takeoff speed? It doesn't work that way. The only way to start on an upward trajectory is by going into the wind and getting the lift that is attained by the friction and the battle with the air. And as I look into my own spirit, I'm telling you, man, I'm getting old. I would prefer resistance and an upward trajectory toward God for me and my family than I would a downhill ride down Easy Street. You want to sign up for that plan? Weakling, running against the wind. But in the midst of our battles part of God providing and rescuing us is to experience him lifting us up into his presence, into the wind. Need number four. We not only need a leader, we not only need a sacrifice, we not only need rescue, we need friendship. And God provides in that man on that donkey a faithful companion for every step of life's journey. Jesus shows us the way to God, the way to heaven. 
It is a road marked with suffering and pain and a cross and a resurrection. It is a way that every mortal child, woman, and man in this room is going to have to walk a path that goes through death into life, through the dark of the night, into the rising sun. I'm going to offer two closing invitations for you um, to help you experience the companionship of Jesus, hopefully, in the week and a half to come. Um, Number one is that... uh, It is Holy Week, but for many of us in the western suburbs, spring break at our local schools trumps Holy Week. That's just where we live as suburban people. Lots of us are going to be traveling, okay? Um, Our discipleship team has put together an eight-day-long set of devotions that starts on Easter Sunday and takes you through the following Sunday. If you will walk with Jesus through Holy Week and then enter into this devotional experience, maybe with your kids or your grandkids, I promise you the reality of Jesus' death and more significantly his resurrection will imprint itself on you in a good and life-giving way. So you can sign up for these simply by texting uh, ecrc.easterweek to 292929 and they will show up automatically on your phone starting on Easter Sunday. You can also get them via email if you're old school. If you're really old school, we'll even print them for you. Invitation number two is sitting right in front of our eyes. I've talked with words, inadequate words, about how God provides. And the real proof is in Jesus himself and in the sacrament that he left us. We need a leader, and our leader gave us his flesh and blood. We need an atoning sacrifice And Jesus made it on the cross. We need a savior. And here he is in bread and in wine. And we need a friend. And here is a friend who will give his very life for you. So if you've been baptized into the body of Christ, this is for you today. It is a sign of God's goodness and faithfulness for you to taste and see that the Lord is good. I'm going to invite you to turn your attention to the screens. We are going to share some other prophetic words that looked forward to Jesus' arrival on Palm Sunday from Psalm 118. Please speak with me. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Open for me the gates of the righteous. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks, for you have answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Hosanna, Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. 
The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine on us. With palm boughs in hand, we join in the festive procession. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. So give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, church. His love endures forever. On the night that Jesus celebrated the Passover meal with his closest friends, they had all of the traditional elements on the table, and in the midst of that celebration, Jesus reached across the table, he took a loaf of bread, he blessed it, and then he broke it, and he said, this is my body, broken for you, do this in remembrance of me. At the same time, Jesus reached across the table and he took a pitcher of wine, and he blessed it, and he poured it out into a cup, and he said that this is the blood of the new covenant, which is in my name, do this also in remembrance of me. Recalling now his suffering and a death and celebrating his resurrection and ascension, we await his coming in glory. Christ, Christ has died. died. Christ, Christ is risen. risen. Christ, Christ will come, come again. again. Alleluia. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Alleluia. All we have needed, God's hand has provided. Come and be filled with the goodness of God. <laughs> 